words here today because we think we need them desperately. We're not sure we could live without them. And so I've got two words for you, grace and peace. Amen. It is the Christmas season, and there are lots of things going on during that time. And as I mentioned last week, I would like to encourage all of you who are members here at Gateway to invite your friends to come on Christmas Eve. It's the 24th. It falls on a Sunday. We have two services that day. At 10.30 in the morning, we'll have our worship service just like we're doing now. We'll sing some Christmas carols. Uh, Brandon Reynolds and I are going to do a short sermon together, and then we'll take communion together. We won't have class that day, by the way. I don't know if that's, everybody knows that or been told that, but we won't have class on Christmas Eve, so we'll just have a worship service. And then that evening at 5, Mike Kelly will lead us in worship, and also our children will be doing a, a Christmas program of the Nativity. And so I hope you'll invite a friend to come to one or the other or both. Statistics tell us that people are more likely to come as your guest, as your friend, for the first time to a church service on Christmas than they will other times during the year. Also, Christmas for a lot of us is a really joyful, happy, exciting, wonderful, favorite time of the year. But not for everybody. Christmas isn't that way for every single person. Some people during the Christmas season are struggling with loss, loss of a loved one recently, a divorce, maybe your children have recently moved away, you're an empty nester, uh, you're lonely. So Christmas time is not joyful for every single person. And I really appreciate the first Christian church here in Rudoso has recognized that, and they are preparing a service this Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, and it's called a service of hope and healing. And it's specifically meant to help people who are having a difficult, sad time this month. And so if that's you, I just wanted to invite you to First Christian Church on Hall Road at 6 o'clock. I'll be there. I was invited to say a prayer, and so I'll be a part of that service and I would, if you come, I'd love to sit with you and, and we can enjoy that service together. Well, here we are in our series in Romans 14. We're finishing up today our last, uh, our last lesson, our third lesson in Romans 14. And it's been entitled One Another. And the whole point of this series has been, how do we get along with one another when we don't agree with one another. And more than just get along, how do we stay together? How do we maintain the unity of the Spirit when we don't agree? Those of you who are married or have been married at some time in your life, do you remember when you first met your spouse? Can you remember? I remember when I first met Amy. I've told you guys that story and I won't tell you again, although I love it, but do you remember when you first met your spouse? Do you remember when you were getting to know one another? Do you remember when you were beginning to fall in love with each other? Two individual people 
you and your spouse. And God began to do a miracle. He began to make two one. And at first, probably, it was fairly easy. Most likely. You were able to be patient. You found yourself having humility toward this person you'd fallen in love with. You gave up your way for the other person to have their way. But a day came when it was not so easy anymore. Amen, Amy? Amen, amen, Amy says. Amen. A day came when it was difficult to maintain that oneness that God had miraculously given you. You came to a crossroads in your relationship where you made a decision. Will we stay one? Or will we go back to being two? One of my favorite music groups wrote a song, and the title of it is One. I won't try to read the whole thing to you, but here's a few of the words of the the verse of the song. This is what it says. We're one, but we're not the same. We get to carry each other. Carry each other. One. One love. We get to share it. It leaves you if you don't care for it. One. One love, one blood, one life. You've got to do what you should. One life with each other, sisters, brothers. One life, but we're not the same. We get to carry each other. Carry each other. One. It was written by a member of the band named David Evans. He was going through a tough time in his marriage and his wife wanted a divorce. And this song was his response to her request. It was a cry. One, we're one. Why are you asking me for a divorce? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two will become one. He cries out in this song, how could we divide when we're one. And so we have Paul's instructions here in Romans 14. He tells us how to care for one another when we don't agree with one another. Carry each other, brothers and sisters. We're not the same, but we're one. The Scripture that the teens read, thank you all for doing that, From Ephesians 4, I hear Paul crying out, One! One! Maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And I feel positive. I feel absolutely positive that every person in this room says, Yes! Yes, that's what we want. We want exactly what Paul says in Ephesians 4. We want to maintain that unity. But how do we love one another when we don't agree with one another? How do we do it, Paul? And he gives us some great practical instructions in Romans 14. And just as a very fast recap from the last two weeks, verses 1-4, through he says this, he starts out, he says, accept, 
accept one another. Accept. And how do you do that? Well, strong, those of you who are strong, don't look down on people who aren't like you, who aren't the same as you. And those of you who are weak, don't judge people who are not the same as you. Accept one another. And then last week in verses 5-12, through 12, we said we need to ask ourselves these three questions. We need to ask ourselves, first of all, have I thought this issue through? And each one of us needs to be convinced in our own mind. That's the first thing we need to do. Before anything else, we need to think the whole issue through, study the Bible, ask God to help us, not just say, well, this is the way I've done it. I haven't really thought about it. And the second thing we said last week is we need to make sure whatever it is that we can do it unto the Lord. These disputable matters that Romans 14 talks about, matters of opinion, they're disputes. We don't agree on them. We need to make sure that whatever it is that I believe, I need to be able to say, I believe this and I'm doing it unto the Lord. And then, remember that we are to answer to God for our actions. Matters of opinion, in disputable matters, in things that one person believes is a sin and another person does not believe it's a sin, and in Scripture it's a gray area. We do not answer to one another. We answer to God. Paul's going to give us some more practical instructions in the last part of this chapter today, and that's what we're about to look at. But first, I want us to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And I also want to pray for the first Christian church today and be thankful for what they're doing this Tuesday night. So let's pray together, and then we'll read our text. Lord God, thank you so much for the oneness that we enjoy here at our family at Gateway. We're grateful for that, God. We thank you you've given us that miraculous gift, and we pray that you would help us, Lord, to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I pray that you would help me first before anybody else. Help me to be at the front of the line with humility. Help me to be at the front of the line with love. Help me to be at the front of the line asking you to give me an extra measure of patience and eyes to see everyone around me the way you see. Lord, we're grateful for the larger community of faith in our village here in Rudoso, for the other congregations of Christians that are meeting today. And especially today, we want to pray for those at First Christian. I pray today that Matt, as he preaches today, that he would clearly present the gospel of Jesus. And we believe your word, God, that Gospel is the power unto salvation. So we believe you're going to draw people's hearts to you there today. We ask you to accomplish that, Lord. We pray Tuesday that there will be hope and healing filled up in people's hearts. Pray that they might accomplish in your name what they're trying to accomplish. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to teach each of us as we study. In spite of my weaknesses, we pray that you might help us to leave here today with humble hearts, hearts full of love for one another, wanting desperately to hear from you and follow exactly where you tell us to go. We pray all this to the name of our one Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen.
Romans chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 13 through 22. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Amen. Last week we saw Paul say, be convinced in your own mind about what you believe. And this week he says, make up your mind not to do three things. We're going to see three things from this text. He says, you may, I mean, first you make up your mind about what you believe about these matters of opinion, these gray areas. But then you make up your mind not to do these three things. And we're going to take them one at a time. The first one's found in verse 13. Make up your mind not to put stumbling blocks in the way of others. The Greek word for stumbling block is proskoma. Proskoma. And it, it includes the idea of causing a person to fall. The implication is to put an obstacle in the way of a weak brother or sister so that they trip and they fall into sin. We mentioned last week a disputable issue. We talked a little bit about alcohol. And when I talked about that last week, it got really quiet in here. It was kind of weird. You could hear a pin drop. I'm going to talk about it again. This is a disputable matter. And each person should be convinced for themselves about this matter. It's a matter of opinion that is not to be bound on everyone in either direction. Unless a person is getting drunk. And then it is now a dis it's not a disputable matter anymore. It's an occasion for a loving conversation about what the Bible clearly forbids. The Bible clearly says, absolutely crystal clear, do not get drunk. This is also a good example for this point that we're talking about, about stumbling blocks. Let me just share with you personally. Sometimes when I invite friends over to watch a game at my house, 
to watch a baseball game. I'll offer people a beer, but I almost always try to mention this in advance before I invite people to come over. I say, hey, we're going to watch the game this Thursday night. We're going to have some pizza, and there's going to be some beer, and you're sure welcome to come. We'd love you, for you to come. Let me, let me be clear. Nobody's ever come to my house to watch a baseball game and got drunk. Okay, I want to be clear about that. But it also gives people the opportunity. If they don't want to be around alcohol, it gives them the opportunity to bow out of that. And that's why I make sure and try to say it up front. Now, sometimes I have friends over, and I make sure positively there is no beer, there's no alcohol at all on those occasions. Because I have friends that I know struggle with addiction. And I want to provide times at my house to be with them just as much as my other friends who don't. I don't want to offer one of my friends who struggles with addiction proscoma. Here you go, here's a stumbling block. Have a drink. I don't want to do that. I don't want my friends who struggle with addiction to fall back into the sin of getting drunk fall back into addiction, and fall away from Christ. And that's the point here. We don't want to cause people to fall away from Christ. So we have both. We have both in our house. We have evenings when there is alcohol, and we have evenings when we make sure that there is no alcohol. And some people might say, well, why both, John? Why both? Why don't you just do it the safe way and never have alcohol at all? And if that's your decision, that's great. I'm not, I'm not criticizing somebody who has that decision. But let me share one story, one personal story with you that illustrates why I've made this personal decision for myself. It was on the 4th of July, about 12, probably 12 or 13 years ago, and I was at a 4th of July party with some friends. And it was just this fun group of families, and there were... The ladies were all inside in the house doing whatever the ladies do when they're in the house. I really don't know. I didn't want to go see. The kids were running around. They're spraying each other with the garden hose. They're jumping on the trampoline. And all the guys at this 4th of July party were sitting out on the back deck. And I think everybody, all of us, were probably having a beer. And I was having a beer. And there was a guy there that I knew, but I just kind of knew him, but I didn't even exactly know his name. We just kind of knew each other. He was sitting next to me. And he asked a question about something that was going on in the world. He said, have you guys heard that thing about the Bible on the news or about, or about God on the news? Something, I don't remember exactly what it was. But he asked, what do you guys think about that? And somebody sitting around on the back deck said, well, ask John. He's the minister. And this guy looked at me. You're a minister? Yeah. I said, I'm a minister you have a beer in your hand. I said, yeah, I do. I said, I, I, you know, I do sometimes drink beer in appropriate situations, and this seems like an appropriate situation. I think this is a gift from God. This guy just shook his head like that. What church? What church are you a minister at? First Baptist? No, I didn't really say that. I didn't say that. 
I said, uh, well, at the Gateway Church of Christ. And then this guy almost fell out of his chair. He just said, I, I can't believe, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And, and so I was like, hey, man, chill out. You know, it's okay. Just have a seat. And I was just wanting to hang out with my friends. This guy goes, hey, come with me. Come with, get over here. Come with me. And he takes me like away from the party and around the corner and over into a place on the side of the house, like by the alley, all by ourselves. And he begins to tell me his life story. And he says to me, when I was, he said, I was raised in the church of Christ. And when I turned 18, I swore to God that I would never step foot in a church again in my entire life. And he said, I pretty much haven't. He said, my family and I are Christians. We love God. We read the scripture with our kids every night. We pray together. My wife and I, Jesus is the center of our life. We want a church family. And he said, I think God brought me to this party so that I would go back to church. Because he said, the church I left was so judgmental about everything, he said. Every single thing. And he began to tell me all the things they were judgmental about. Now, this is a little side from, from my story. If you look back in Romans 14, what you, say, what you see there is that Paul says, do not judge one another. And he doesn't say it once. He says it four times in one chapter. Why do you think he did that? Why do you think he said it four times in one chapter? Because he knew we were going to need this. He knew we have a propensity to judge one another. So my friend said, I think God brought me to this party today to have a beer with you so that I, me and my family would come back to church. And he did. He came to, decade, he came to Gateway for almost a decade until he moved away to another town. And in that town, he and his family attend a congregation of believers as well. And not only that, but that man also brought back his extended family who had been away from church for more than a decade, for a couple of decades. And they have placed their membership at Gateway. And they are an important part of our church family. They're sitting here today. My friend was able to hear the message that day because a preacher was holding a beer at a 4th of July party. What's your point, John? Are you telling us all to go get a six-pack and go to parties today so we can tell people about Jesus? Is this like the new evangelism plan at Gateway? No! That's not it at all! Don't exaggerate things and make them different or put words in people's mouths. No, that's obviously not the point. You need to make up your mind to live your life unto God and do your best not to put a stumbling block in front of other people who are weak. And God will bless that kind of effort in your life. I believe that's what I was doing that day. I had made up my mind and I was living carefully unto God with my life. And God blessed 
that situation. That's the first thing we need to make sure of, is that we do not put a stumbling block, a proscoma in front of our brothers and sisters around us to cause them to fall. The second thing is this in verse 15. Make up your mind. Make up your mind today, if you never have before, that you will not destroy others by your actions. We Christians can be so stubborn sometimes, so angry about our opinions, angry with people that don't agree with us that we won't even speak to them. We won't look at them. When we see them in Walmart, we go the other way. When we see them at church, we get in a conversation with someone else. Oftentimes, we can say very, very ugly, mean, horrible things to one another because of our strong opinions. I remember more than two decades ago, over 20 years ago, this family of Christians decided that we were going to have people singing on microphones for a worship team. And that worship team was going to help lead us in worship. And there were people who loved that. And there were people who were so glad about that. And there were people who didn't like that. And it was a disputable issue. And there were people who had strong emotions. And I remember, I was actually standing right here in this middle aisle. I was the youth minister at the time, and I was just doing some youth ministry stuff, whatever youth ministers do. Filling up some water balloons or something, I don't know. I was standing close by, and I heard, a, I heard a woman come over right after services were over to a person that was in our worship team and say, I can't even sing when you're singing. Your voice drowns all of us out. You're the loudest person in here. And this is what this lady said. Why don't you go to another church? Oh, that Christian lady, I love her. She just felt strong. She had strong emotions, and that's what Paul's trying to talk about. We've got to deal with these strong emotions and treat each other as one. Treat each other with love. Now, thankfully, the person in the worship team that lady spoke to was a strong Christian, and it was fine. That, that person still goes to our church, and it was okay. But oftentimes, the ones who get destroyed are people who are not even involved in the conversation. It's the bystanders. It's the new Christians. It's the children. It's the people at the coffee shop. It's the people at the hair salon where these things get talked about. That's who gets destroyed. I have a friend who lives here in Rudoso. And he won't come to church with me because of a dispute that happened here when he was a kid. And he's about my age. This is a long time ago. Some of you may have been here way back then. Most of us weren't. I'm not trying to point fingers at any person. I'm just telling you this man's perspective about his life. The issue that they were having a dispute over that they were so angry with each other about was can we have a small group in our home or not? to study the Bible. Someone was so ugly and mean to this man's dad 
that he said, I'll never step foot in a church again. And guess what? He never has. And so far, I've only asked about 50 times, but so far, he hasn't come with me yet. Wow, that's amazing to me. It's amazing that people could get so angry and their emotions be so strong and they could be so ugly with each other that the person that's destroyed is a little kid that's just standing by watching what's going on here. Destroyed. It's possible for us to be so unloving, so demanding of our own opinion, so much that we have to have things our way, so uncaring that people may walk away from Jesus. So let's make up our mind today. If we haven't already, let's make up our mind today. We will not destroy other people during disputes in our Christian family. And the third one is this. Make up our mind not to destroy the work of Christ. Verse 20. What is the work of Christ? The work of Christ is to save lost people. It's possible to make a stand on an issue, to demand my way on a disputable matter, and then watch the work of Christ come to a screeching halt because of my demands. Historically, there have been people who have used chapter 14 of Romans to get their way. They've said to people, I'm, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. I'm upset. I don't like what you're doing. This bothers me, so you are not allowed to do it. And many Christians and many churches have been frozen right where they're at and unable to go where God was calling them because a few people didn't like something. This text is not about what people like. This text is not about what I like. Who cares what I like? Who cares what you like? Christianity is not about what we like. Who cares about that? Christianity is about glorifying God. It's about loving other people. It's about accomplishing the mission of spreading the good news of the gospel. So we're not talking here about upsetting people. That's not the goal. The goal is, Paul is not saying, don't ever upset a person. Jesus upset people all the time. That's not the goal of our Christian life. The thing Paul wants us to make up our mind to do is not to cause another person to stumble, trip, fall. And so we have to ask ourselves this question as we move through disputable matters together as one. Is my opinion more important here or is the work of Christ more important here? Which one is more important? Each of us must ask ourselves that question. One last biblical example, and that's what we mentioned last week, Paul. It has to do with circumcision in the first century. And Paul says two very different things. I'm going to show you the Scriptures real quick. Galatians chapter 5, verse 2, Paul says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you, if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Why would he say that? Because in the circumstances in Galatia, there were people who had put their faith in Christ, they're followers of Christ, and then people came along and said, that's good, but it's not good enough. You have to add this in order to be acceptable to God. You've got to add circumcision in order to be acceptable to God. 
And, and Paul says, if you let yourself be circumcised to these Galatians, then Christ is no value, zero. It's a strong, strong, strong statement for him to say that. But look at what happens in Acts chapter 16. Paul says this, same guy. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him. Paul just said, if you allow yourself to be circumcised, let me tell you something. Christ is of no value to you at all. And then he's in a different situation, in a different place, in a different time. And he says, you know what? I want to take Timothy with me, but in order to take him, you're going to need to get circumcised. Paul has freedom in Christ. The issue is not circumcision. Paul says at one place, he doesn't even care about circumcision. Who cares? Circumcision, uncircumcision mean nothing. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's all that counts. Circumcision doesn't matter to Paul. But there are two things that really do matter to Paul. Paul wants, number one, the message of the gospel kept pure. And if people are going to try to add something to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus... Jesus did pretty good on the cross. He filled your cup up almost all the way. Now you just have to fill it up the rest of the way with your works. If you fill it up a little higher with your morality, fill it up a little higher with your correct doctrine, then you can be saved. And Paul says, no. The gospel is that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried, dead, and on the third day he was raised and he was seen by the people who, who were there, 500. And he says, that is, Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians 15, that is the gospel. That is the good news. And there was a time when I used to be afraid to say that. I was afraid. And then I realized, I, I saw what Paul said. He says it in Romans 1, I think it's in verse 16 or 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation. And I decided that day, when I finally put that together, I thought, I'm not going to be ashamed anymore. I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to tell the truth. And the truth is that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul has freedom in that to say, the message has to be kept pure. And if somebody's going to say, no, that's not quite enough, he's going to stand up to that. And if it happens to be a certain issue, he'll stand strong against that issue. But he has freedom in Christ. He can move in Christ, he can move on that issue over here. In a different area of the world, in a different place, in a different time. The second thing that Paul wants is this. He wants the message of the gospel to be heard. He wants people to hear the good news. And he knows that if we take Timothy and he's not circumcised, those Jews can't hear us. It's like we're not even speaking their language. So we'll do whatever it takes to speak people's language in order so they can hear the message of the gospel. That's what Paul is saying. I can flex back and forth on this in order to accomplish getting the message for the mission. 
And in Acts 16, a few verses later, we find out that he did indeed accomplish that mission. Acts 16 verse 5 says, So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they grew daily in numbers. Which means they were growing closer to Christ, and other people out there were growing closer to Christ and giving their life to Christ. That's our mission here at Gateway. To grow closer to Christ and encourage others to grow closer to Christ. And I want to be clear about something. I had a great conversation with a Christian sister that I love, and and I, I, she kind of pointed out, I think I've been unclear about this, about the mission that the elders brought to Gateway is for us to grow closer to Christ and others to grow. Who are the others? Well, it's the people in this room. And others includes every other human being in the world. Others. We want others to grow closer to Christ. People who don't know Jesus, we want them to start getting to know Him. People who don't believe in Jesus, we want them to start believing. That's our mission is for everybody around us, starting with ourselves, to grow closer to Christ. Well, here we are. We're at the end of our study in Romans 14. I wonder if you feel like everything is crystal clear now. (laughs) I doubt it. I seriously doubt that you feel like all this stuff about disputable matters is completely clear. And here's the reason. Because Disputable matters are complicated. God knew that we would have complications with this. He knew we were going to have disputes. And He knew they would be difficult. And that's why He put this chapter here. And that's why He wants us to walk through it. It's hard to do what God tells us to do here. Paul says in verse 19, make every effort... Those two words, every effort. I want us to say them together. One, two, three. Every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. It takes effort. And I see Gateway, this Christian family, doing just that. Putting effort. Every effort. We're a group of people who oftentimes mutually defer to one another. We do it all the time. Some people need a song during communion so that they can draw closer to Christ, and some people need silence. And so you know what we do at Gateway? We do both. Some people believe men and women can both read Scripture, as we had this morning. Some people believe just men should be reading Scripture publicly. And so you know what we do here? We do both. Some people are encouraged when we sing old hymns from long ago. And some people are encouraged when we sing brand new choruses. And so you know what we do here? We do both. On and on I could go. I could give you ten more examples of how we mutually defer to one another for mutual edification. I see us doing better than just tolerating each other with a frown on our face. I think we have such a healthy Christian family here. I really do. I believe every person here is happy that others are getting what they need to grow closer to Christ, even when it's not what I would personally choose. And when it comes to matters of opinion at Gateway, no one gets their way all the time. And everyone gets their way sometimes. And we love each other through it all. Amen? 
So today, we'll have our shepherd's prayer uh, in just a moment, why it's going to be here to say our shepherd's prayer. We'll also have a place in uh, another room, our prayer room, which is